Well, I, uh, as we get started, I especially want to welcome everybody who is new or visiting us today, uh, and maybe um, particularly the folks that are watching us online want to say hello to you. We know that most people will check us out online before they ever show up in person, so welcome, and we hope to see you here soon. Uh, Now, we've been in a series of messages since January that we are actually going to wrap up this week. And as we wrap up our Pray Like Jesus series, um, I know that for me, spending these weeks looking at the Lord's Prayer line by line by line uh, has been very helpful for me, and I've heard from many of you as well. And it's helped us to learn new and more powerful ways to pray. Now, last week, our focus was on the line, lead us not into temptation. Uh, We were outside last week, so we didn't get to, you know, do anything fun up on the, on the video screen. But Mary Thompson sent me this one. Here, check this out. Lead me not in temptation. Oh, who am I kidding? Oh, wait, that's not it. Oh, next one. Keep going. Keep going. There we go. Lead me not into temptation. Oh, who am I kidding? Follow me. I know a shortcut. That's good. All the grandparents and parents of little ones said, hey, yes, we were, we're familiar with that. Uh, I found this one here, family guy one here. Uh, see the do not push button sign and then temptation. Do you really want to spend the rest of your life wondering, right? That's the story of my life. Is it not, Mom, right? Yes, it is. Now, in that line we looked at last week, notice that temptation is tied to, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. Uh, from evil, is that's how we traditionally say it. That's in the same sentence, which I thought it was noteworthy. And, and the traditional phrase that we use, most people, when we kind of pray the traditional Lord's Prayer, um, we pray, deliver us from evil. But in fact, most of the translations of Scripture, just about every single one of them, this phrase here in Matthew chapter 6 is translated this way, deliver us from the evil one, from the evil one, um, the evil one, the, the, the devil. And so I want to wonder with you for a bit about the devil and what impact he has on our everyday lives. Now, even as I said that, some of you had this reaction. Um, You're nervous, like, oh my goodness, I come back to church and we're going to talk about something spooky or weird, right? Um, Others maybe are excited, like, oh, hey, I know that there is evil in our world. There's evil that comes around, and I would love to know more about how we deal with it. Um, But I know that there are probably other people, maybe in this room or watching online as well, that that when we talk about Satan or the devil, you maybe are thinking something along the lines of, really? I mean, come on, do enlightened people in the modern world actually believe in Satan anymore? Isn't it a little far-fetched to blame suffering or temptation on a cartoon-like figure with you know, pointy uh, tail and horns and red tights, right? Um, others, though, others might be thinking, like, ah, uh, yeah, 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 I- I'm sure Satan exists, but... I don't really want to think about that. Can we just focus on something else? Is this really necessary? Now, C.S. Lewis wisely offers this. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, and the other is to have an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, the forces of evil, are equally pleased by both of these errors. And he's right. Both extremes are wrong. 
One side where we don't believe at all in the existence of the devil, or the side where we give the devil all of our attention. We live in fear and paranoia about Satan, and we're looking for devils behind every doorknob. But when Jesus teaches us about prayer, as we've been looking at here, he tells us that when we pray, we need to remember that there is evil in the story that you and I find ourselves in, and he instructs us to pray to the Father to deliver us from the evil one. Now, I take this when I pray the Lord's Prayer as a moment to pause and go, okay, is there somewhere where evil is in operation that I need to stop and focus and do any kind of, you know, work around what some of us would call spiritual warfare? Um, For me, it's a cue to just check and see, is there something? Which is a great reminder when I pray that regularly that has to happen. But when I pray this, sometimes I've wondered, you know, when we pray, deliver us from the evil one, uh, even as a people, do we really live this way? Do we, as Christians, especially in the West, especially in the United States, do we live like there is an evil one in our story? Do we actually live with an awareness, not a fear, but an awareness that Satan is our enemy, that he wants to steal, kill, and destroy me. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you and us. Years ago, Billy Graham said this, don't think of Satan as a harmless cartoon character with a red suit and a pitchfork. He's very clever and powerful, and his unchanging purpose is to defeat God's plans at every turn, including God's plans for your life. See, friends, I'm starting with the presupposition here that, friends, there is evil in the larger story of the world we live in. By the way, how would you explain some of the awful things that happen if there is no evil in the story? So there is, I believe, evil in the story. There is evil in your story, and it goes maybe even more extreme than that because the truth is the devil does want to destroy you. But because of Jesus, you have nothing to fear. You don't have to live in fear at all. You can actually fight back. You can resist and come out with victory when the enemy attacks you. So, I'm just going to turn in our Bibles here, a couple of verses, um, 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. It's going to be on the screens as well if you want to turn, if you have a Bible with you, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. It'll be on the screens. Um, we're also going to read from James chapter 4, verse 7. In fact, let's start by reading the James passage, which will be up on the screen. Let's read this passage out loud together. Here we go. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, let's read this out loud together. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. See that in verse 8, it says, your enemy, the devil. Your enemy. See, friends, if you were not aware, sorry to break it to you, but you have an enemy. And Peter warns us here that we have to be alert, that we have to pay attention. Again, not to give all our attention to this, but it is a factor in the story in which we live. 
Now, have you ever maybe, if you've been around church for a while, at some point you've probably heard someone say something like, or even teach um, or preach, well, the devil is harmless. He's, he's just a toothless lion. Anybody ever heard that one before? I've heard that one said before. And, and it, yeah, it sounds nice, by the way. It even sounds kind of comforting. And I wish it were true, but the problem is it's that it's not. It's not scriptural. Um, as Christians, our beliefs are shaped by what the Bible teaches, and that toothless lion thing is not what the Bible teaches. I mean, a toothless lion, I mean, all we have to do is look back here at this First Peter 5 verse right here. We learn the devil is what kind of lion? A roaring lion seeking someone to devour. See, he's not this guy in red tights with a pitchfork, but he's a prowling Roaring lion on the hunt, which, again, because of my <clears throat> dislike of cats, notice lions and cats are in the same family, right? So, right there, just more proof that cats are evil. So, <clears throat> I rest my case. Um, now, Peter says here, regardless of how you feel about cats, that we have to be on the alert, right? Now, would that be necessary for us to be on the alert if the devil was harmless or toothless like some really wish we could say or teach? It says he's looking for someone to devour. That word also means to maul, to destroy. Like the devil wants to take you out. It says you have an enemy. Now in both of the passages we read, there's a common word in there. We are told, both by James and Peter, to resist. Now the word resist is actually an aggressive word that means to fight Back. It doesn't just mean go, it means to fight back. It means to take your stand. And when we read the New Testament, this is something that we see Jesus and the disciples and the early church constantly do. They resist. They actually act like it's kind of normal part of how they do life. And in our day, we tend to act like spiritual stuff, like warfare, all that is not normal. Maybe it's just reserved for you know, specialists or people that are sort of on the fringes of our faith, or, or maybe Christians in other, you know, less developed or less modern nations. Oh, sure, we see that over there. And I think that part of it is that we, in the West here, we're uncomfortable dealing with stuff that is unseen, stuff that is supernatural. We tend to focus on the stuff that we can see with our eyes, the things that we can prove with evidence. And so because of that, lots of good church-going, Bible-reading Christians have all sorts of you know, catchphrases that they use in order to live in denial when it comes to the uh, uncomfortable, hard reality that we do have an enemy who is built, bent on our destruction and that we're supposed to actively resist the devil. But we've been kind of numbed to that whole idea. I confess that I get numbed to it all the time. And then I look at passages like 1 Peter 5. By the way, there's so many of these passages, I just had to kind of cull it down to a few today. But, but even just from this passage alone here, when he writes, you know, be alert, the devil is on the prowl, what is Peter assuming that your life or the life of every Christian everywhere, what's he assuming about what our reality is, is like? He's assuming, yeah, you have an enemy. He's assuming that there is a battle that we're engaged in. It's a given. Um, 
He's assuming that you are under some kind of regular spiritual attack. It's just, it's just the way it is. And Peter is telling us now, heads up, don't freak out. No need to be afraid. He says, stand firm in the faith, which is another way of saying it's going to be okay. You're built on solid ground. There's plenty of things here to stand upon. See, again, Peter's assumption in this verse and all over Scripture is that every believer is under some kind of intense spiritual assault. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's a given. It's going to be expected. So then the big question is, what do we do when we are under or encounter some kind of spiritual attack? And there was that common word in both of these passages. We are told to do what? To resist. Yes, to resist, which again means fight back, take your stand, resist. Now, I also have heard a preacher say before, listen, you don't resist the devil, that's Jesus' job. Which again, sounds really nice, but no, actually, right? Like we are commanded here in scripture in several places to resist the devil. Resist the devil and he will do what? He will flee. This is good news, guys. Again, you don't have to be afraid. Christians, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can fight back and the devil will actually flee, run from you. And I believe the opposite is true as well. Like if we don't resist or we don't want to acknowledge the reality that we need to resist, then I think it's kind of like, well, no resist, no flee, right? That's how it works. Now, sadly, though, so many Christians have been given a version of Christianity that is barren of any notion of spiritual warfare at all. Most Christians in the Western world don't live like we have an enemy who hates us, wants to take us out. We don't live like that's true. And then we wonder why so many of us get taken out. I mean, if you act like there is not an enemy just in life here as well, what happens? Like, he has you for dinner, right? <laughs> Hello, it's staggering the level of unawareness at which we often live. In many ways, I think it's kind of like what happened um, at 9-11, right? 9-11, back then, most of us in the U.S. were mostly essentially kind of like, oh, sure, we know there are terrorists, we... We know that they bomb people in the Middle East. We've even heard some of the buzz of their activity, but it's all far away. It's all overseas. And it took a horrific amount of destruction, the taking of many innocent lives, to awaken us to the reality, oh my gosh, we have an enemy, and the enemy can perpetuate um, havoc. They can penetrate our borders, and it's pretty serious if we... Tend like there is no enemy. And that's just an illustration of what is true in our lives as well, right? We have an enemy, and we are in a battle. If we don't wake up to the battle, if we don't submit to God, like James says, and resist the devil, we actually give him lots of room to just wreak havoc on our lives, in our families, in our relationships, in our church. And this is a very basic, in the next 15 minutes or so here, um, just giving us kind of an introduction to spiritual warfare. Like, there was a lot more that we had. And, and so after Easter, we are going to do a series. The plan is to do a series that go more in-depth on all things supernatural. So Holy Spirit and angels and demons and spiritual warfare and how this stuff works. Um, because there's just no way in 30, 35, even 40-minute sermon that I can possibly cover everything that we want to even try to cover. So if you're going, well, what about this? 
Trust me, we'll, we'll try to get to it. Feel free to send feedback, but we'll try to get to it. My goal this morning is to simply awaken us to the spiritual reality in which we live, right? That you have an enemy and that the devil wants to take you out, but that you can fight back, right? You have nothing to fear. You can fight back. That's what resisting is. And so I just want to give us a couple basic ways to resist the enemy, to fight back when we do recognize that we're under some kind of attack. This is, again, spiritual warfare 101, very basic, very introductory stuff. Some of us, it's going to sound way out there. Oh, if you only knew what I wish we had time to teach, so. <laughs> um, but this stuff is it's very simple. It's very basic, but it's effective. The, the vast majority of the time, this is mostly what you need uh, to just do the trick. So here are some of the basics. When you are facing harassment from the enemy, what we've been reading here, the Bible says that we are to resist, to fight back. How do we do that? Well, Scripture teaches um, by submitting to God, right? Submit yourself to God. Uh, there's three things that I think are really primary inside of the 101 spiritual warfare deal. Uh, we submit ourselves to God. I'm going to talk about that. We speak the truth of Scripture, which is going to take a whole other sermon later. And we command evil to get out, to leave. Those are the three things that I want to touch on here. Um, the first one, okay, so coming under the authority of Jesus to submit ourselves to God. Commanding evil to leave. Those are kind of paired together. Now, as we read there in James, we resist by submitting to God. Now, what submitting to God means is that we come under his authority. We say, Jesus, you are Lord. Like, Jesus, you are Lord. I belong to you. Um, you are the Lord. I am not my Lord. You are the Lord. And since Jesus is Lord of my life, I'm saying, Jesus, you're the one that has say-so, right? Um, I'm going to choose to follow your way as Jesus, as Lord. I'm going to trust your way to do life. I come under your authority. You have all the authority in my life. I trust you. Now, authority is the thing that really, really catches my attention when we think about what it means to submit to God. Because Jesus has been given authority over all things. So his name is the ultimate authority by which we fight against evil and foul spirits. And I think we have to remember this. We never fight these foul spirit things, any kind of evil in our own ideas, our own strength. We fight them in the authority of Jesus, which again is why it's important to submit to God. See, there's a big difference, right? Our power is not enough. We fight in the authority of God through the name of Jesus Christ. One place in scripture, again, it's all over the place, but one place uh, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, the Bible says that Jesus, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness, right? He gave the disciples, and then later he gives his authority to all his followers. He gave them the authority, his authority, to do in his name, the name that's above every name, not in their own authority, and there's a big difference, big difference under the authority in which we operate, especially when it comes to this stuff. For example, let's say I ran out to the street here, and I um, decided I was going to stop traffic, and I start telling everybody just to stop, right? Now, most people would probably look at me and say, dude, who's that guy, right? What's he think he's doing? Like, dude, you don't have the authority to tell me or make me stop. I'm not stopping, right? But if... 
I was dressed in a uh, police uniform and had a badge on, and I said, stop, then traffic would stop. It better stop. <laughs> because then I would be stopping traffic in the authority and in the name of the government that stands behind me. Here it would be the city of Chandler, right? That's the authority and the name of the government. In the same way, when, when you and I do spiritual battle, we don't battle on our own power. We battle in the authority and in the name of Jesus Christ. He's the one that stands behind us. He's the one that backs us up. And greater is he who is in us than the one that is in the world. See, his authority and, and by his name, we have the victory against the forces of darkness. So we fight back with God's authority. Listen, friends, there is evil in your story. There, there, there is a force that is more wicked than you could possibly imagine that wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. See, the enemy can't defeat God. He can't make a dent even in, in his battle against God. He's given that up. He's been defeated. So instead, he goes after what God loves. He goes after what touches God's heart, and that's people. He can't do anything. <laughs> To God, but he can hurt the heart of God by attacking you because you matter so much to the heart of God. And so the evil one wants to harm your family. He wants to harm your marriage, your children, your finances, your health, your relationship with God. He wants to tear at that. Bottom line is, is that the evil one and his foul spirits want you. See, Satan is described as that roaring lion seeking someone anyone to just devour. His mission is to steal, kill, and destroy, according to John 10.10. To steal, kill, and destroy. So friends, therefore, we do battle not in our own power, not in our own mustering up the strength through right words. We do battle in the authority of who we are in Christ. That's where we do battle from. So sum that up. Jesus is Lord. We submit to Jesus as Lord. And in a battle against evil, we submit to God. We come in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. Next one here. Um, we'll just mention it again. This is so rich. But when we do battle against the enemy, and there are great examples of this, especially with Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, we, we speak the truth. We come in the name and under the authority of Jesus, and then we speak the truth of Scripture because Satan is a liar, and so we speak truth into those lies, and that's why it's so important to know Scripture because when you go to battle with the enemy, you want to know what the truth is to be able to turn him away. And again, we'll get more into depth in that in the future. So that would be the second thing. The third kind of one-on-one deal is that we command the enemy to leave. We see this, again, all over Scripture. Jesus, his disciples, the early church, they would resist the enemy by telling him, get out, go, leave. And it's very effective. Get out, go in Jesus' name, get out, leave. And just one of the places where Jesus did that was during the uh, temptation of Christ in the wilderness, where Satan came to tempt him. And after that third temptation, because the enemy doesn't give up right away. Sometimes he keeps coming back, right? It's true in your story too. It's true in your story and mine. And Jesus finally says this after the third time, get out of here, Satan. It's a quote. Get out of here, Satan. And the devil left him. Satan fled. And again, you look at stories with the disciples, the apostles, the early church. They did this, and they did it 
in Jesus' name. Again, not in their own name. When you try to do this, even using Jesus' name, if you weren't a disciple, just read the seven sons of Sceva story in Acts. That one will make your hair curl a little bit. But, but we do it in Jesus' name as his followers. See, because Jesus has been given authority over all things. He's the name above every name. And so we do what we do when we do battle in his name. And so in Jesus' name, when the enemy comes, one of the things we do is we say, Satan, get out. Foul spirits, get out. Just like Jesus did, just like the disciples did, we do it in Jesus' name. We resist the devil, and he will, again, do what? Flee, right? Now, I'm going to give you a few examples here, and I tried not to come up with any super dramatic ones, even though I could have some of the, I do have some of those, but I don't want to freak anybody out and, you know, have you start wondering when we're going to have the ushers bring forward the snakes to handle and all that stuff. I promise you that's not going to happen, Okay. <laughs> but here's just a few stories, right? Um, simple one here. Um, Paul Rapley has come and taught some stuff on healing here at our church. It's been a couple of years now. But one of the things he taught us, and he told me several times before it clicked for me, uh, is that when we pray for healing, one of the things to include in our prayers, and these are very simple prayers. It's no magic formula. It's very simple. But one of the things I always heard him pray was, Satan, get out, Right? Now, not all sickness, not all illness is, you know, an attack of Satan. It's not all attributed to, you know, oh, it's just all spiritual warfare. But sometimes it is. And one of the first times I tried this, where I was praying for somebody, they had a headache, they asked for prayer. I prayed. One of the things I prayed was Satan, get out. And wouldn't you know, um, their migraine (laughs) just disappeared, just gone. And we've prayed for people different ways several times with that and started to see people just healed, but part of it sometimes is just Satan, get out. I tried this myself. I was writing this this week, and I started to have a headache. And I thought, well, before I popped the Tylenol, <laughs> I prayed that, and headache was gone. Not every time, but sometimes, right? Um, Satan, get out can be a very effective and quick warfare um, strategy. Um, when I was writing this message, By the way, if you're writing a message on spiritual warfare and the reality of the enemy, guess what happens during the week? Surprise, right? (laughs) No shock. Um, I usually know that preaching on this stuff means some of that warfare is coming your way, and there was a lot of distraction this week. Um, Our dog's really sick. Uh, All week it's been really difficult. We're probably going to have to, you know, put her down. It's been hard. We actually, you know... Last night, we got very little sleep because we were at the, the vet, and oh, it was just, it was bad. It was bad. Um, but, but before that, even this week, just so much distraction, other stuff just kind of coming up. It's just been a mess. And finally, yesterday, as I'm trying to shrink this thing down into something manageable, and I'm feeling just distracted, and I can't really get focused, I said, oh, I, probably a good time for me to do what I'm going to be teaching <laughs> everybody else to do. Uh, Even though I do this regularly, it just somehow hadn't even come into my mind. So I did that. Around the teaching, I submitted myself to God. I was like, Jesus, you are Lord. You are Lord of our church. You're Lord over this teaching. You know what you want taught. I come under your authority. I declared the truth of Scripture with some things that I regularly do. And in the name and in the authority of Jesus, I kicked out all distraction. I returned my focus to Jesus. And I told Satan and all his foul spirits to just get out in Jesus' name. And actually, it did it. Like, I, I was good. Like, I actually wrote probably three weeks of sermon content, like, pretty quickly. Shoot, just cleared it out. Um, third 
just example. Um, and by the way, we could just tell you so many stories, and I'm trying to avoid some of the like dramatic overseas ones because we tend to think that stuff happens over there. And I'm trying not to even give you some of the ones that would really freak you out. Um, <clears throat> but this stuff happens in the U.S., not just overseas. And last summer, Heidi and I, were um, we did a wedding out east, and we went to North Carolina. We stayed a few extra days. And because of COVID, we wanted a private place, so we rented an Airbnb. And we were downstairs. The owner was upstairs. The pictures on... It just, they looked so lovely and beautiful in this amazing deck. But what the pictures didn't show was what we saw when we arrived and walked into the home. <laughs> the whole downstairs was filled with bookshelves full of tarot cards and witchcraft books, all kinds of really just sort of creepy stuff. Like I took a towel and kind of hung it over these shelves because I just want to look at it. Uh, and it turned out that our host, um, who was upstairs, with, you know, with her 10 cats. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Just a couple cats, yeah. Um, but I Googled her, and her website promotes her as a psychic who communicates with a spirit and with the dead, and she has her own line of tarot cards. She's an author of a book on divination. And we're like, oh, great, great. We're supposed to be here to, like, relax and, and rest. Great. Um, and when Heidi and I stay anywhere, we, we try to go in, and just remember to pray over the place and set it aside for Jesus, you know, just make sure that any foul junk is cleaned out. We welcome Jesus' authority. Uh, and that night, before going to bed, um, I kind of half-heartedly did it, right? Hello. <laughs> what do I expect here? I half-heartedly did it. Heidi was busy on the phone with a real estate deal. It was getting late. It was tired. And so I just kind of prayed, sort of. And I didn't sleep well. And... and I never talk in my sleep, so says my wife. But Heidi woke up from her own bad dream around 3 in the morning while I was, like, making noises and having quite a, I guess it was kind of a nightmare, but more of a, just, more of a battle. I felt like that I was in this altered state of consciousness, like there was something that was trying to tie me up and drag me down, but I could not shake myself awake, and I could not speak. Now, I've had a few of these happen throughout my life, and I know what to do, right? You say what? Right, you say Jesus. That's the, that is the quickest way, right? But before I could even get to that place, Heidi had woken up and she did it. She spoke the name of Jesus and it, it stopped and I woke up. I came to like, okay, I was wide awake again. I was like, whew, that was weird. And I went back to sleep without doing anything else. And pretty quickly, I was right back in again. And this time, I woke up um, said the name of Jesus, and then before I tried to go back to sleep, I prayed some of the scriptural truths, and then I prayed out loud and told the enemy to get out of here. And he did. And I slept good the rest of the night. Now, again, because of time, I didn't even tell you all the details of that story, and there's so many other stories that we could tell, and there's so many questions we could ask, like, well, was that this or that or this or that? And again, we'll get into some of that in upcoming Weeks. We're not going to focus completely on the devil and spiritual warfare and all that. We're, there's going to be some of that content, and we might off, offer some options to have some discussions as well with anybody that wants. But, but there's so much here to try to cover, and we're running out of time. So those are just some examples, simple examples, not even all that weird, of when the enemy harasses us, 
What we do is we submit to God. And then in the name of Jesus, we resist. We fight back. We fight back with the truths of scripture, which we'll get into another time. We tell the devil to leave, to get out, and he does. <laughs> we resist and he flees. Sometimes you have to take a few runs at this. And there, again, there's so much more to say, and we'll pick this up sometime after Easter. So I want to do a quick review. Um, so today we talked about from the line in the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from the evil one, right? So you have an enemy who wants to destroy you and you're commanded to resist him. You're commanded to fight back. And we'll put James chapter four, verse seven and eight up this time. So how do we do battle? This is how you battle. Scripture says this in James, submit yourselves then to God. Submit yourself then to God. And there's some of us here today, right now, that if you would be honest, you would have to admit, I'm not submitted to God. Like I haven't come under Jesus as Lord. Maybe I am even a Christian. I've said the prayer and made the commitment, but, but not, you know, maybe even partially, there's just areas of my life that I have not submitted to God. So maybe sort of, kind of, not all the way submitted, which is, you know, I'm not submitted, right? So here's what you do, right? We have to submit ourselves to God, right? Submit yourself to God. Scripture says, submit ourselves to God. And what's the verse say? And then we do what? Say it this out loud. What do we do? We what? Resist the devil and he will do what? Flee. He'll flee. We say, okay, God, I submit myself to you. I come under your authority, your lordship. Um, and then we say to the enemy, go, get away. Like, we use scripture even. We say, scripture says this, and it gives it even more, you know, truth to put in there um, to remind the enemy that he has no place here, that he can't touch my family, he can't touch my life, he can't keep interfering with, with what's going on in, our, in our, our neighborhood. You resist, you tell the enemy, get out of here. And scripture says, when we resist him, he's out the door, right? He cannot stay. He can't stay. And then the next verse here, the Bible says, when you come near to God, he will come where? Near to you. And that's what I want us, that's what I want us to do right now. See, friends, if you've said yes to Jesus, you belong to Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, you belong to him. And in the name and the authority of Jesus, Satan has no right. He has no place in our lives. So I want us, as we close today, to draw near to God. I want us to draw near to God, to proclaim who the word of God says that Jesus is and declare the victory and authority of Jesus over every area of our lives. So worship team, will you come? Now, Hope family, as we have talked about this today, some of you might honestly be saying something like, uh, you know, I kind of wonder, maybe... Maybe I'm under attack or I feel like my family is under attack. Maybe there's just all this stuff that's going wrong in our lives and around us. There's stuff going wrong, wrong with the people that we love. We, maybe you'd say we feel like we are under some kind of spiritual attack. And the reality of it is you very well may be. Because the forces of the kingdom of darkness are trying to take you out. And maybe you're even thinking, you know, Doug, would you pray for me? And absolutely, I would love to do that. But what I want us to do is to pray together as a church 
family, and I want us to take a moment and do very simple battle in, in the spiritual realm. In fact, I know that the enemy has been attacking me and my family as well as, as our Hope staff and their families big time. So if you're feeling like you're under some kind of attack, you are not alone. You are not alone. And so I'm just going to ask all of you who would say, you know what, yes, I, I am under attack. I do feel like I'm under attack. Um, and I really want prayer right now. And that's going to include me <laughs> and our staff as well. I just want you to raise your hands up high and leave them up because we're going to pray together. If there's any area of your life, yeah, go ahead and raise your hands up high. Anything in your life, yes. And I think that this is probably going to be most of us. And together we're going to pray right now. Pray, so leave our hands stretched to Jesus, and let's pray together. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that, that you are for us, so nothing can stand against us. Thank you that we fight from a position of your victory in the authority and in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that supernaturally you would deliver us from the evil one, that you'd banish all fear, that you'd awaken our hearts with confidence in you and your power to defeat the enemy. I pray for every one of us today who's under attack, God, that you would give us victory. We submit to you. We say, we declare, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And that no scheme of the enemy can stand against the strength and the authority of Jesus. Father, I trust that you will act, that you will move on behalf of your children, that you will deliver us from the evil one. And I thank you ahead of time for every spiritual victory that comes through your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen.